Our scripture today is John 8, 37 through 47. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. Excuse me. We we have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my, my word. You are of the, your father, the devil, and you, you will, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and is and the father of lies. But one one of your convicts me of sin. I tell the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Maxwell's. The Baxter School District is doing a good job teaching you reading. That's great, man. Good job. Thank you. So we're, we're spending five weeks in John chapter 8, and not because of any reason other than we need to, and we're feeling led to spend that time. We're going to spend one week in John chapter 9, but we're five weeks in John chapter 8, and an aspect, I think, I think there's like purposely some speed bumps because we need to slow down because there are some truly transformative life-changing realities in John chapter 8 that Jesus keeps bringing people back to, and I think we need to keep bringing us back to, our community back to, and one of the things that they are just so, like, just struggling to realize is um, the promises that were given to Abraham, okay? So let me me put it this way, because there were some incredible promises given to Abraham. So this might be true of you, it's probably not true of most of you, but imagine in rural Iowa, you have 5,000 acres of farmland, and you are the sole beneficiary. You will inherit all 5,000 acres. Of anybody, you will probably be the best person to prove that you are the person 
in the line of the inheritance, right? Like, it doesn't, a lawyer or, you know, a cousin or whatever, if you are the one receiving the promised 5,000 acres, you will know how you are related to that person. <laughs> you know, your son, daughter, um, you know, long lost relative, but only remaining relative or whatever, you will ensure that you can communicate how you are the recipient and you are the one to inherit the promised land. <laughs> and uh, this is the people, the people that Jesus has been talking to. Now, since chapter seven, the people that Jesus has been talking to are people who um, consider themselves to be in the lineage of far greater promises than 5,000 acres of farmland, far more amazing. And it starts becoming clear what promises uh, we're talking about in Genesis chapter 12, okay? So we're going to kind of do a few places in Genesis to understand why the people are saying the things and thinking the things that they're thinking in their conversation with Jesus. So Genesis 12, starting verse 1, says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, he'll rename him in chapter 17, Abraham, uh, but the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred. We know he lived in Ur, which is kind of like in the Iraq area. Um, and so he, he's communicating to him from there. We know Abraham is related to, to Noah. Um, so he's definitely has, Abraham himself has quite the lineage where he can directly trace himself to Noah and the ark. But uh, here the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Imagine that. Imagine like packing your bags with destination, the Lord will show us. <laughs> they truly had no idea as they were packing up where they were going to go. And then he says, verse 2, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there are these huge promises that are given to the descendants of Abraham. That from Abraham's lineage, one is going to come who's going to bless all the families of the earth. What's fascinating is both on Joseph's side and on Mary's side, uh, the lineage goes to Abraham. So, so Jesus is a fulfillment of this. Another promise in Genesis 13 Starting in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Look northward, look southward, look eastward, look westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. That's how many people will there be in his lineage. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Forever land is promised. That's why even now it's referred to as the promised land. His offspring will be more than you can count, given by God and God asked Abraham to do stuff that didn't make sense. 
to just get up and move, to uh, just walk around and look around, and you'll have more descendants than anyone's ever comprehended in any family lineage. I'll lead you, God tells Abraham, in the beautiful, staggering, catch-my-breath reality is that Abraham believed God. Full stop. Take your only son later. Miraculously conceived. Sarah had already had menopause and just the possibility was 0% of them conceiving and having a baby. And Abraham is told, you're going to have a baby. And he was like, I believe you. And then he said, now you're going to take that child and you're going to sacrifice that child. And we learn later that Abraham's like, well, I guess God can bring people back from the dead. So here we go. And the Lord stopped him and said, wow, your faith has really been seen here. And Abraham took God for, took, took him for his word. And Abraham becomes known for his faith and for trusting God taking God at his word. Then in Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. Picture a a 99-year-old man just falling on his face before God. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. No human being on earth, Moses, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, no human on earth has ever been given such promises. Promises of a Redeemer coming, promises of an inheritance like that, promises of a faith inheritance. And the people that Jesus is talking to who are like, his blood runs through my veins. The blood of Abraham runs through my veins. The people that Jesus is talking to think to themselves, there's no one greater that I could be related to. (laughs) There's no one greater that I could be identified with. If they're related to Abraham, then they're good. And they didn't imagine that they just, it never occurred to them that they would be having a face-to-face conversation with the one that Abraham was talking to. 
They only saw Abraham and they never realized that they were actually going to have this face-to-face conversation with the God that Abraham was falling on his face before. And so for the last several weeks, Jesus has been telling these people who he is and descendants of Abraham, instead of falling before Jesus, they're doing everything they can to get Jesus out of their life. They're even starting to conspire to kill him, to get him out of their lives. Instead of repenting, they're going deeper than ever. And we're going to see, they go to like a bar fight level of interaction with Jesus today. Uh, verse 37 of John 8 is where we're going to see how they're pushing him away. Jesus says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. We're not, we're not having a conversation here on you being offspring of Abraham or not. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Jesus says, I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So Jesus clearly is saying, we ain't talking about the same father here. We're talking about different fathers that are influencing us. They answered him, verse 39, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. And then later in the book of Romans, there's going to be an entire chapter, Romans chapter 4, written about who are the descendants of Abraham. And what Romans chapter 4 teaches, what Jesus is teaching here, is all the promises given to Abraham were not blood relatives of his. They were those who were related to responding to God with the same faith that Abraham did. So Romans chapter 4 is all about Abraham's faith and those who are receivers of the promises that were given to Abraham, those who are the true children of Abraham are those who are taking God at his word and those who are believing him, those who are responding to him, those whose faith are in relation to Abraham, believing God like Abraham did. And they tell Jesus, Abraham is our father, thinking that's all they need. And Jesus pursues them telling them if they're truly children of Abraham, they'd be believing him. And remember, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas, like his existence didn't start there. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal God moved into our neighborhood, (laughs) took on flesh. And so Jesus actually knows Abraham. These people know of Abraham. And Jesus is like, I was in the room. (laughs) I know Abraham. More importantly, Abraham knows me. Abraham knew when God was speaking to him. Abraham knew it. Abraham knew when God was speaking to him, and Abraham would never seek to kill God in the flesh. Abraham heard the voice of God. 
Abraham followed the words of God. Abraham worshiped God. And Jesus is speaking truthful words from God, and their response is not Abraham's response. And Jesus is not weak. Jesus doesn't have like a self-esteem problem. And Jesus isn't like, maybe it's with me. Maybe I'm not communicating clearly. Maybe I need to change my approach. Maybe I need this or this. Like, Jesus loves them enough to not tell them what they want to hear. He loves them enough to tell them what they need to hear. He's clear to them that the promises of Abraham are not given to them in the way that they're thinking. And instead of writing them off, he's pursuing them. And that's just how he is. He could have written me off for years when I just did not care a lick about anything connected to him. And instead of him just being like, fine, have it your way, he pursued me. Abraham was super teachable. These people at this moment are not teachable. Now look at verse 41. Jesus continues speaking to them. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is letting them know that um, that it's, it's clear what is fueling them. It's clear what is motivating their actions, and it's not doing the will of the father. It's doing the will of another father a father with no inheritance of heaven. And he says, Satan himself, plain as day. They are treating God like Satan does. They're treating God like Satan does, not like Abraham did. Abraham loved God. Satan hates God. Abraham wants to do the will of God. Satan wants to destroy the will of God. And they're treating God like Satan does. Um, this could be the words that convict them. This could be the words that say like, oh my gosh, you've opened our eyes. Thank you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for bringing me back to my senses. And instead, they go total barroom fight, 100%. They say to Jesus, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. They take a swing at Jesus saying that his birth was because of Mary's immorality. I mean, in our culture, we joke about the don't make fun of my mom. And there's a lot of good jokes that are your mama jokes and stuff. But like, but it's also really going deep to say like, my response to what you are saying, Jesus, is how can you dare lecture us 
when your mom was so immoral that nobody even knows who your dad is. You probably don't even know who your dad is. And Jesus hears them saying, like they say, hey, we know who our father is, and we even trace our lineage back to where our father is God. And you probably don't even know who your dad is. They go there with Jesus when he says the things that he's just said and invites them into the things that he invites them to. And what I love is Jesus doesn't respond going to their level. Jesus doesn't respond going to their level, but he levels with them. I think that's good. Like Jesus doesn't respond by going to their level, but he levels with them. He says, if God were your father, you would love me, not make fun of me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Abraham heard words like this and believed. His faith became tangible in his life. Satan is a murderer. Satan does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus isn't speaking hyperbole here. He isn't trying to be overly dramatic by bringing Satan into this. He's truthfully letting them know the fruit of their lives is showing the fruit of Satan, not the fruit of God in their life. They're following the influence of Satan and refusing to hear the words that will give them life and truly bring them into Abraham's inheritance that was promised to him. And he keeps pleading with them to respond. Look at verse 45. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Levels with them. Jesus is speaking the truth here. Do we believe him? Do we have ears to hear him? Do we hear his words? And I think there's three ways that we can respond here. I think there's three ways that we can respond to what he has just told us. I think the first thing that we can say is, oh my God, I hear the words of God. I, I am of God. Like, when you hear the word of God and you truly know these are the words of God that I'm hearing right now. God has opened your eyes. He has. You were once blind, and now you can see. You were once deaf, and now you can hear. You were once lost, and now you are found. He's spoken words of life to you. He said, come to me. Give your life to me. I've paid your debt. I've paid for your sins. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to come back for you, take you home, my home, your home. And you've heard these words of him spoken to you, and you've responded in faith. And man, if that's you and you're like, with humble hearts, I don't think that takes you to a place of pride. I think that takes you to a place of humility. But it also should take you to a place of Man, would the Lord just fill you with peace today? <laughs> Saying, Lord, thank you that I've heard your words and I know they're your words and that that means that I am of God. I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to hear you. 
And man, like, thank you for that. And would I continue to hear? Would I continue to listen? Would I continue to hear your words? Would I continue to walk in your ways? Would I continue to believe your ways for me? And man, thank you that I can hear your words. Like, that is a beautiful response and the response probably of many in here today. A second response is, I don't hear the words of God. Uh, Maybe you think, man, I think all this is a joke, maybe. You're possibly here because your parents make you come. Maybe you're here because you, maybe, like, people have asked you so many times, you're like, I'm just going to come just so they'll stop asking me, uh, then I don't have to come back for a while or something. And maybe when when you hear Jesus speak, you just don't hear that these are the words of God. You just don't hear that your creator is speaking to you. You don't feel the life of that. You don't, you don't believe it. And man, the, the leveling that Jesus does is the reason you don't hear these words as the words of God is not because you're more intellectual than the rest of us. It, it's not like, like you've read the right book that dispels everything and, and you, you've got this intellectual argument that no one can ever match or whatever it may be. Um, what Jesus is telling you is the reason you're not hearing the words of God is because you are lost, because you're blind, um, be, because you, you can't hear. And you are currently, Jesus is crystal clear here, you are currently more influenced by Satan than by God in your life. Now, I'm not saying you're as bad as you could ever be. I'm not saying you're on like a multi-state killing spree or something. But I'm saying, though, you are more influenced by Satan at this moment in your life than you are by God. You are not hearing the words of God because you are not of God. And you are hopefully a not-yet-Christian. In our community group, we're reading through a book right now that's talking about that and talking about people that God is bringing to himself and using the term, you're a not-yet-Christian. And just know that. I've met with people before that grew up in the church and all this stuff, and I started asking them some questions, and I said, hey, just for the sake of clarity, I'm not trying to be mean, and I'm not like using my own authority. I'm just saying, based on the word of God and clarity, you are not a Christian at this time. You, you walk into a Christian building, but like, just because you walk into a garage doesn't make you a car. So just because you walk into a place like this doesn't make you a Christian. What makes someone a Christian is by hearing the words of God, believing, and responding and being changed. And so, so Jesus could have written them off. He could, for making fun of his mother, he could, he could write you off. But even with all of this, if you're in the second one right now that I don't hear the words of God, what my prayer is is that you would become in the third section, which is I want to hear the words of God. I'm not, I, I want to hear the words of God. A relationship with God is not something you need to manufacture. Let me remind us of uh, verse 47 again. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So being able to hear his words and be saved is to be of God. It's his work on our behalf. We're not adding like, well, I, I trust in all this, these things people say about me. I trust in all my social media likes. I trust in all these things. I trust in my bank account. I'm looking for all these things to find me. Oh, and I'll add God to that list too. Why not? It probably won't hurt. But being of God is saying I'm not of myself. 
the center of my life is not me. It's not me plus the big man upstairs. But it's actually, I'm his. If you want to see what my life is about now, I'm, I'm his. Uh, I've, I've given my life to him. My life is in his hands. Abraham trusted God more than he even trusted himself. And when verse 47 says, whoever is of God hears the words of God, the reason why you don't hear them is that you're not of God. And man, if you're at a place where you want to hear the words of God, if you want to hear them, it's not as hard as you think. It's not as hard as you think. You're like, well, man, something that's like that majestic and amazing, there must be like this whole onslaught of things I must endure to be able to get to God. And the amazing thing is that it's, it's not as hard as we think, but it came at an extreme cost. So Jesus coming, allowing himself to be killed in our place, living before that a perfect life in our place, living the life that we were supposed to live and couldn't, paying the price that we should have paid but couldn't. He came and did all of that for our good it was costly to him. It cost the Son of God his life. But all of that was so our response could be easy, significant and easy. In one moment, like in this right now moment, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you, would you confess that today? Would you believe that today? Would you step into the inheritance of Abraham? Would you, would you give your life to Jesus so that we can be a people that are hearing the words of God for our good, for the good of our families, for the good of our community, to be a light that changed lives, changed lives? And so, man, my, my hope and my prayer, and for those who are at home too, is, uh, is, is that we would move towards Jesus today. That, that it wouldn't, and moving towards him means that we are opening ourselves up to him, opening our life up to him, saying, I, I hear your words, thank you. I want to hear your words. I give my life to you. And so a beautiful response to us is to move towards the table of communion. So this was his design saying, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. We take bread and we have gluten-free crackers in the bowl, if that would be a blessing to you. Um, we take the bread, and he taught us, this is my body lived in your place, given for you. Take it. His body nourishes us from the inside out. Not just, God is not just a surfacey, let's just put on a religious mask and you know, take it off when we get home. But he actually, from the inside out, has lived in our place. And we take the bread. He says we are communing with him. This isn't a memorial service. We are actually actively communing with him. Um, and so Nick and April, the way that they will serve us is they have gloves on and they will tear off the bread. And if you just walk up to them with your hands out, uh, they will place bread in your hand saying, this is the body of Jesus given to you. And then we have wine or juice. Obey your conscience there. Uh, we're taught that this is the, the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. And so as we take that, we in faith are saying, his blood has washed me white as snow. I am a free person that is hearing the words of God because of this. 
And he's wanting us as often as we do it to do this, communing with him, worshiping him. This is actively a part of our worship. So if you don't know where you're at with Jesus, I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to pray with you about that. I'll be standing over here. Um, love to do that. Um, for those who are followers of Jesus, um, I do want to encourage you just to take a moment to meet with him. He might reveal things to you. Um, we're told sometimes that if he reveals sin or major conflict that you're at with maybe another believer in the church or something, um, there are examples in scripture even of being like, hey, why don't you wait this week and go and resolve that conflict? That'll be beautiful. And then rush to the table next week. But let's spend some time with him and then let's respond and come to Jesus. And the way that we'll do it too is uh, we'll stay standing. We'll come down the aisle, take the elements, and then stay standing and we'll take it together as family.